0: I have a great show for you today. I'll teach you how to create structure to accomplish your daily and long-term goals. I'll also be interviewing Dr. Glenn Livingston, who is a veteran psychologist who was disillusioned by what traditional psychology had to offer overweight and or food-obsessed individuals. Dr. Livingston spent several decades researching the nature of binging and overeating via working with his own patients and a self-funded research program with more than 40,000 participants. In today's episode, Glenn gives you the insight into how to break the cycle of sticking to your diet for a few days or for a few weeks and then constantly breaking it. He'll also give you tools and techniques of how to successfully achieve and maintain your healthy goal weight. To learn more about Dr. Livingston and to get a free copy of his book, please visit NeverBingeAgain.com. Once again, get your free copy of this book and many other incredible resources at NeverBingeAgain.com. Accomplishing Your Daily Goals You're gonna hear me speak a little bit about this later in the interview with Dr. Livingston, but I wanted to do a little lesson on this overall because I think it's so important because often we think there's not enough time in the day or we think I have too many things to do today. Let's think of energy like dollar bills. If I gave you $100 worth of energy and said today, I want you to spend it on each activity. Do you think you'd be able to spend it wisely? What I mean by that is this, every single thing we do in life takes some form of energy. If I give too much energy at my work or too much energy with my hobbies or too much energy here or there, just like those dollar bills, I'm overly spending on certain activities and underspending on other activities. So by the end of the day, we're pretty much out of money. Those energy dollar bills because we spent too much of it earlier in the day and didn't have enough to maintain for the evening or perhaps even those downtimes that were so important to us. I always reverse engineer everything. What that basically means is you think of the end results and then you work backwards. In order for me to get that end result. I have to do what? And so when you can think backwards, what does that look like? Then you start to formulate how your day is gonna go. I always tell people it's so important to plan your following day the day before. And in doing that, that allows you to be as productive as possible. But most people, when they do that, they say, well, what time am I gonna get up? Which is a great start, but where you should really start is what time am I gonna go to bed? So therefore, when you go to bed and you fall asleep, that way you know that you can wake up the next morning at the time appointed. Sleep is so important, but often we forget about that when we plan. When you reverse engineer something, you want to think about time constraints. If my end result for tomorrow is I want to be in bed by 10 p.m. because I'm prepping for the following day, what do I need to do just before I go to bed? And then when you can work backwards all the way till this moment, you'll then be able to create each of the steps you have to do. And then you create the times. Well, how much time do you think it'll take for me to prep myself to go to bed? So you write that out. So let's say that would be by 9 p.m. I want to start to get ready for bed. Doesn't mean I'm in bed, but I'm getting ready for bed. By 8 p.m. I want to watch a TV show. By 7 p.m. I want to do this. And then you just work your way back until you get to the present moment. Now, sometimes people can say, well, James, that's so rigid. And yes, it's rigid. But the goal of this is it's going to teach you how to be very mindful of how to allocate your energy appropriately. Because sometimes we can get lost in work or lost in talking on the phone or lost in social media or lost doing something and we don't remember that we only have so much time in the day to be as productive as possible. So when you create these, quote, rigid templates of how to structure your day, then the more you practice this, then you can flex the time to say, okay, yes, I said I was going to be done at this time for this, but I need more time for that. So I'm going to reallocate perhaps my TV watching time. So I'm going to bump everything back by a half hour and therefore I can still maintain what I need to do. Anytime you're going to change your plan or change what your schedule looks like, before you do it, you wanna ask, well, where am I gonna make that time up this day? And when you can figure that out, then you can enact it. Or perhaps I could do it tomorrow. Okay, well then you can flex it for tomorrow, but you wanna make sure when you do schedule your next day, that previous activity is now added into that schedule. Each day, if you were to look at my phone, you would see I would have so many alarms turned on because I know for me that it keeps me focused, knowing that i need to be productive and be really focused on what i'm doing in a particular amount of time and when that alarm goes off i know that i need to start wrapping something up and start to do the next thing so for example i wake up at a certain time i have an alarm by when i need to be out the door to walk my dog i have an alarm when i need to end i have an alarm for when i want to get ready for the gym i have another one that's set for a time when i need to leave my house to go to the gym by when i need to start a certain version of my workout And then by the time I need to leave the gym. Now that's just a quick example of how my morning is at certain times. Now you may think, oh my God, those are a lot of alarms. And yes, they are. But what it does is as soon as I hear it, it keeps me on track to make sure I'm mindful of every single thing that I do. Now, sometimes I've had people say, well, James, when do you have downtime? Well, I actually plan in downtime. But the thing is, I also know when that downtime is gonna end. And that's the struggle that many people have is they give themselves some downtime but then when it's time to do something new that has more energy, they allow that downtime to go longer and longer, which unfortunately bleeds into the next thing they need to do. So plan in your downtime. I always tell people you have to do that. Downtime can be a form of self-care. So you don't necessarily have to say what that self-care looks like, what that downtime looks like, but as long as you know that it's there somewhere, you can decide what you're going to do in that moment. But the rule of thumb is you have to then create an end time or create an alarm. Now I need to do something beyond the self-care. And I promise the more often you do this and practice this really rigid template, your days will be so much more successful. I have a wonderful interview today with Dr. Glenn Livingston. He's going to teach you how to be specific and create templates for your eating habits so you too can reverse engineer it as your day rolls out. So stay tuned. Have you ever thought, gosh, I'd love to start my own radio show or podcast, but I have no idea how to do it? Or are you a seasoned veteran who wants to level up and improve all aspects of your show? Well, I will be working with a select few to help you either start or polish your show. These are a few topics I will teach you. How to create your brand and how to be specific with your niche and your audience. The types of equipment you should use to help you improve the quality of your audio and your video. I'll teach you how to get your show aired on most podcasting platforms, as well as give you an option to create a video podcast. I'll teach you which recording platforms are best for your needs, as well as teach you the importance of having a show clock. The do's and don'ts of writing your own show notes that will help increase the reach of your audience and generate traffic to your website. I'll also introduce you to some of my contacts and previous guests. I'll also be offering a select few the opportunity to broadcast your show on my platform and have access to my three and a half million listeners. So if you're ready to start or level up your show, then visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James and sign up today. It's time, my friend, for you to stand out and share your message with the world. Once again, visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James to get started today. My guest today is Dr. Glenn Livingston, who is a veteran psychologist and was a long-standing CEO of a multi-million-dollar consulting firm, which has serviced several Fortune 500 clients in the food industry. Disillusioned by what traditional psychology had to offer overweight and/or food-obsessed individuals, Dr. Livingston spent several decades researching the nature of binging and overeating via work with his own patients and a self-funded research program with more than forty thousand participants. In today's episode, Dr. Livingston will give you insight into how to break the cycle of sticking to your diets for a few days or even a few weeks, and then. breaking it as well as how to achieve your goal weight without bouncing back welcome to my show dr livingston
1: Thank you for having me. I hope you'll call me Glenn James.
0: I shall. Dr. Livingston, I presume. I'm sure you hear that all the time. So <laughs> Everybody can say that one. More. I know, right? <laughs> my listeners may or may not know this, but Glenn, you have been on my show several times. You are one of my dear friends. So I always love to have you back, not only because of just of who you are, but also your book and everything that you purport. It's so, so spot on and so many people have been able to achieve their goal weight. And so that's why I really can't wait for you to talk with my listeners today about everything that you're doing. Okay, I'm here. Good to go. Before we get started, I do want my listeners to know that in the show notes, there I'm going to link all the different episodes that Glenn has been on and also link the book that he's going to be telling you about and all that as well. So if, if for any reason you can't find this information, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and just simply put in Glenn Livingston in the search engine and he will pop up all over my site. All right. So Glenn, let's talk more about this because I want to jump right into the struggle when it comes to the, the famine and and feast Struggle that people have. So, how about you explain that and then we'll jump right into the different concepts of how people can overcome that.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, the easiest way to explain it is that most uh, overeaters are not just good at overeating, they're good at dieting too. And they will report to me that they've had an almost endless cycle of losing weight and getting it back. Usually, they lose weight and they gain a little more, Mm -hmm. lose weight and then gain a little more. And it's, it's very demoralizing. And um, there were a lot of there were a lot of ramifications of that also, but essentially we call that the feast and famine cycle. And the problem with it is that on an evolutionary basis, our brains probably know that if we go through periods where calories and nutrition are scarce or unavailable, um, that when food is finally available, that we should hoard it. If you think about the way that we evolved, you know, we probably went through these periods, and all of a sudden there was a, you know, there was a harvest or a a, a catch, and then we'd have to hoard as much food as we could, we'd have to have a feast, and then we'd go back through the famine. And so it's a very early evolutionary model. And it's the only thing that really explains why for so many people feeling full to full Mm -hmm. is a signal to, to eat more, right? Okay, yeah. And... So what I and, and and if you look at um, if you look at the research studies on that, when you, for example, force animals to lose weight and then regain it um, quickly, what what happens is their metabolism slows dramatically and their body mm. learns how to hold on to fat. So it takes longer to lose weight and you gain it back quicker. I see. Um, Interesting. So it's a bad cycle. Yeah. Very bad, bad cycle. Restrict and binge. Restrict and binge. Restrict, restrict and binge. And so what I like to tell people to do to break that is to flood your body with nutrition at a small caloric deficit. Okay. Flood your body with nutrition at a small caloric deficit. Um, and one of the ramifications of this, one of the places where people make the biggest mistakes with this is they will pick a goal weight and they'll speed on into it. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, they're trying to lose you know, I don't like when people lose more than a pound or two to, per week, but people sometimes will be losing three or four pounds a week, but even if it's only two pounds a week or a pound and a half a week, what happens is they they go right down to their goal weight, and then all of a sudden there's this event where they say, okay, well, now I'm at maintenance. I got to eat a bunch more, and I think that that signals our brain that all of yeah. a sudden the feast is here, mm-hmm. and so I, I tell people you want to land at your goal weight the same way that we would land a rocket on the moon, so we might accelerate to 20,000 miles an hour to get to the moon. But as we get closer, we fire the, fl- the thrusters in reverse. So if you're losing, you know, a pound and a half a week, when when you get to about 10 pounds away, you want to drop that down to a pound. And when you get to about five pounds away, you want to drop that down to about half a pound. And then oh, the last... interesting. True. See what I'm saying? Yeah, makes sense. Then, then there's not this event. Then you're not crashing into your gall weight and signaling your brain that, okay, there's a sudden... Switching the environment and now we better we better go feast triggering the urge to binge, so that's what I mean by the feast and famine and and that's why I always tell people the fastest way to lose weight is slowly,
0: um, which is, know, which sounds so uh you know that sounds like the opposite of, of, of what you're saying you know so if I want to lose it really quickly or i want I, I have you know an event you know next week, I now have to lose ten pounds and with that that's like oh my gosh <laughs> that's a lot you, of
1: you you really shouldn't do that yes. you, you really um yeah, give give yourself a couple of months before the event to to get the weight off.
0: When people think about the the feast and famine cycle, what about just in a day? How how would that present itself just during the day? Well,
1: I'm very much a, an advocate of intermittent fasting for medical purposes. Uh-huh. No, I'm I'm not a medical doctor. I want to make that really clear. Um, but I do think there are a lot of medical benefits for intermittent fasting and there are, you know, that that you teach your body to run off of, um, you know, to stabilize your blood sugar based Mm -hmm. upon body fat and all all sorts of things. Um, however, if you struggle with serious overeating, I don't think that's a good idea for the first four to six months. That makes sense. Yeah. So I, I tell people to have regular meals throughout the day, you know, three meals a day minimum. Um, so some people need to do four or three meals and two snacks or something like that. Um, so that's your signaling your body that there's a regular, reliable, consistent flow of nutrition and calories available. Yeah. Um, and it all goes along with a lose weight slowly philosophy. Sure.
0: What about those individuals? And there's, I'm sure many of my listeners right now can relate to this. What about those individuals who are pretty good at what they do, but then they have a cheat day. What does that cheat day do to one's metabolism or one to one's the feast or famine?
1: Well, it, I mean, it does something to your metabolism, but more so it does something to your psychology. I, I think the concept of a cheat day is flawed. We, we have a concept called snack by design. And the okay. difference is, if I say on, you know, I'm never going to have sugar except for Saturdays when I may have, have one dessert of my choosing or three desserts of my choosing, but only one serving each. Mm-hmm. When you do that, and the decision is made beforehand, and the boundaries are very clear, then you don't have this day where all of a sudden the reins are off. And <laughs> yeah, you, you know, and you're also not relying on willpower, because what willpower is the ability to make good decisions in the moment, and there are only so many good decisions we can make over the course of the day.
0: And also, a way to justify the willpower can be changed to justify an unhealthy behavior too.
1: Hmm. Oh, I, I want to hear more about what you mean by that. But <laughs> sure. that, that's def, definitely true. That's like when there's that voice in your head that says chocolate's a vegetable. Yes. Right?
0: Yes. It's true. It's true, Glenn. <laughs> clearly. Right. <laughs> I know that's your story, and we'll
1: talk about that in a second. <laughs> so, so I think it's better to come up with a, you know, a set of rules that defines the parameters of how you eat all the time, and maybe that set of rules includes the fact that you can have chocolate cake on Saturday and you know, such and such a dosage and and um, at such and such a time, and that way you're not switching on and off your willpower. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because they, James, then what happens is you're going to feel like on Monday morning, it's really hard to get back on Yeah, because you do. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And that's when the Monday, di- Monday dieters, we've all been there, you know, the weekend will say, oh, I'm going to start my diet on Monday. And then Monday comes and you have this urge to eat something. So you eat it, you're like, oh, dang it, I've already messed up my diet. So it makes more sense to start you know, open and close from a seven-day week. And then you start to justify, well, now I have to start my diet uh, the next Monday because that makes more sense because it's the new day of work. And just the justification we create. And unfortunately, that Monday is always reset and reset and reset. And so it's this never-ending cycle.
1: You can't diet tomorrow. You just can't. Mm -hmm. You always have to use the present moment to be healthy. And if you look on the calendar... Uh, you can't diet someday because someday isn't a day on the calendar. That. <laughs> <That's>
0: clever. <laughs> it's <very> clever. It's <laughs> clever. Yeah. What is it? Just the, the world itself. We have this this idea, this connotation, this meaning of what dieting means. And most people, when they hear that, it's like, oh my god, I've, I I can't even stand to hear that. Does Does your methodology does it use different terminology for those types of things?
1: Well, we don't talk about diet. We talk about a food plan. Good. And we, we we're talking about a food plan as a way of life. Mm-hmm. And you present it to your lizard brain, which is really the seed of the feast and famine responses if it's set in stone, but you can, you can change it if you step back and think through what you want to change, why you want to change it. And you, you give yourself 24 to 48 hours before it takes effect, mm-hmm. but because we find that the essence of food addiction, it's not really in what you eat, although for some people they have to abstain from sugar, flour of or course. alcohol, yeah. right? Um, it, it but it's much more so whether you're making emotional and whimsical decisions about food or whether you're making planned out decisions Mm -hmm. about food, right? And so that's why we have the snack by design concept. We really find that people do better when they they plan it out. I feel like I lost the original question. What was the original question?
0: Just the concept, just some of the terminology that's used in pop culture can often have negative connotations.
1: Yeah so a, a diet feels like something you have to grit mm-hmm. your way through, yeah. right? And a diet is associated with the famine part of the feast and famine cycle. So we're much more interested in getting people on a food plan that they can live with and help them, make, help them understand that that food plan can evolve over time as they experiment and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and they design what they want to in that food plan and they take out those things they really can't control. Um we're much more interested in that than putting people on a diet. Yeah,
0: you know when I when I think about you know, this overall, just even in my own life, I know for me if I if I want to do something, I like to I ask myself, okay, if, if I do this event, how does it affect the next event I'm going to do? So I always try and think a couple steps out or a couple events out um, in the day or if, you know, even the week. Because then if I know one's going to impact the other, which will eventually impact the other one, that's the most important one, then I try and reverse engineer things. So for me to reverse engineer something walks me all the way back to my, my moment right now. And then I move, once again move it forward to say, okay, now I need to tweak these things. So therefore what I need to do at this one event is now I'm not going to be impeded or hindered by the things from now you know, until that moment
1: because you're a strategic thinker. It's a very
0: (laughs) very good way to be. Well, I appreciate that. But I think that's one thing, even with my listeners, when they hear my shows, it's all about prevention. How can you be preventative in things you do so therefore you can live the life that you want to live or you can do something that you want to do because all of it can be done. But we often think that it has, you know, every single thing we have to enjoy it 100% of the time. You know, for example, if you go to a party and if you're the first person who gets there, you're the last person who leaves, you surely enjoyed it, but how does that affect you tomorrow? Or how does it affect you when you have to get up? And so learning how to say, "I," whatever event I'm going to do, whatever food choice I'm going to eat that's healthy for me, or whatever's in my food plan. Now, it's also knowing that when I do this, how does it affect me later? But also, I understand that that, with that plan and those parameters, I can enjoy this at 100% and then know when to move on to the next thing. So therefore, I can fully live in everything I do as opposed to overly living and overly indulging in one thing, which then causes me to, to underindulge or under commit to my, the next thing I do. So that's what I always like people to know is, you know, life in your day can be like a jigsaw puzzle. How do you fit those pieces together so you can fully embody every single thing you do to be able to live a day or have a day or have a, a year, whatever that's done in a very methodical way. And
1: what, well, I, I love the way you think, James. And one of the elements of that's, that's so important for food is that hunger is the best sauce. The best tasting <laughs> bite you take is going to be the first bite. Yes. Like if, if you're going to have pizza, and you figure out how much you're going to have, and you have it at that time, and you know it's not limitless, um, first of all, you can enjoy it guilt-free, guilt-free, because you're not worried about the consequences, because you're just not, you know, it's not going to go out of control. Yeah. But, but secondly, you know, binging is not fun. Eat, eating a whole pizza is not really enjoyable. Because the second half of the pizza doesn't taste anywhere near as good as the first half mm-hmm. of the pizza tasted. And even the second slice of pizza doesn't taste anywhere near as good as the first slice of pizza yeah. tastes. Um, so, so thinking strategically about your indulgences and then being thoroughly present for them without guilt is, uh, we, we find a much better way to live.
0: Yeah, you certainly do. You know, I um, one thing, and and I definitely want my listeners to go back to the show notes of this particular episode and, and and connect to Glenn's previous episodes. But one thing I really like about your concept is not just if if you go down to the grocery store and if your rule is I'm not going to eat snacks, then why are you going down the snack aisle? <laughs> you know, so so many things when you when you create these hard and fast rules as opposed to guidelines. Then when you set yourself up and your subconscious says, well, you know, I have like, for example, I have company coming tomorrow, so they probably want these snacks. So I should probably go on the snack aisle just to see if, you know, because I know so and so likes this. And so (laughs) that is what I was talking about as far as the justification for what we do. So I can justify that fact that that food is now in my house because I have company coming, whether they choose to eat it or not. And then I'm left with it afterwards. Oops. You know, so that's kind of the concept, I think, as far as when you do have a hard and fast rule whatever's healthy for you and then but if you create that guideline um, instead and then that's how you can overly justify
1: I knew a lady who owned a bakery and she discovered that she couldn't have any sugar or flour it was oh my gosh that's ju- just not controllable for her she she would be off to races so she'd eat all the inventory and she was very successful and I said to her well you not only are not having sugar and flour, but you're surrounded by sugar and flour all day long, and you have to make it seem sexy. You've got it sell it mm-hmm. to the customers. How do you do that? And she said, oh, that's easy. I just look at it and I say, that is not my food. I never eat sugar and flour, that is not my food. Wow. And that's always been iconic for me as the story that represents how um, you can eliminate the need for willpower if you have a hard and fast mm-hmm. rule." Uh, it's just, and, and a lot of people who are surrounded by their kids or their husbands who have to have all this, you know, junk food in the house, a lot of people that once they have decided exactly what they're having and when they're having it, that's no longer an issue mm-hmm. because it's, it's just not their food. Yeah. It, it's, it's when it's a maybe, it's when you're trying to say, well, I'm going to indulge once in a while and, and avoid it most of the rest of the time because anything in moderation is okay. Well, how do you know? How do you know what the once in a while is? You're always having to make that decision. Yeah,
0: exactly. And once in a while becomes, well, once in a while for the the span of my lifetime, (laughs) could be every single day for a year.
1: (laughs) Right, 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 right. But
0: every single day this year and then I don't have it again, then
1: it's going to be once in a while. Perfect, (laughs) yeah.
0: We have a few minutes, but I I would love for you to tell them more about the book Never Binge Again.
1: Um, this was originally a journal I kept about the crazy things my lizard brain would say to get me to binge and break my rules and how I would disempower those things over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'll give you a fair warning. I was not going to publish it. it just, it's just kind of the private way that I went from like 280 down to about 200. And it was my my private journey out of hell. But... Um, I, I put it together in a book as I was getting divorced about five years ago and we published it and now we have more than a million readers it's and amazing. more reviews than more reviews than The Da Vinci Code. That's um, amazing.
0: Glenn is my friend, by the way, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I know him. <laughs> we have 10,000 reviews
1: on Amazon. That's amazing. I can tell you where um, you can get a copy for free if you want. Yes, I'd love that. So if you all go to neverbingeagain.com and click the big red button, neverbingeagain.com, click the big red button. There are three things you'll get. you get a copy of the book in Kindle, Nook, or PDF format. You'll get a set of recorded full-length coaching sessions. These are all free so that you can hear how this works in practice. And you'll get a set of food plan starter templates, which are hypothetical sets of rules you can use regardless of your dietary philosophy, whether you're, you know, ketogenic or... Mm-hmm macrobiotic or point counting or calorie counting. Whatever you're doing, you could find a set of starter rules and you modify them for yourself because, like I said, I'm not a medical doctor or a nutritionist. Um, I just work with an awful lot of um, overeaters and binge eaters. And um, so neverbingeagain.com,
0: click the big red button. Awesome. And I know you, you do so much coaching too. So I know if once people read the book, obviously they want to work with you and all that information is there as well as how to work with you specifically, you and your team.
1: Yeah, yeah. we, we have a group program and I run, we have five groups a week of online support and, um, you know, and I, I run two of them and then I have a business partner that runs a couple and I've got six coaches that work with me that, uh, run groups from time to time. We have email accountability. We have a whole program with a step-by-step challenge, and that's amazing. Uh, yeah, we have a. Ver- we get ninety percent reduction in binge eating for the people who engage in the first month.
0: Wow, that's, so, that's humongous. That's amazing. Wow, that's really impressive. Thanks. Well, I know my listeners, um, once again, I highly endorse Dr. Livingston, and I'm I'm very confident that reading his book is going to help you see some of the pitfalls you have and really give you practical tools and techniques of how to overcome that. I remember when I read the book, I was like, wow, that's really practical. And I love the terminologies you use, the visualizations, the imagery, all that really resonated with me. So even now, when I do walk through the grocery store, and I have to do that after the show, <laughs> and I have to go through the snack aisle, <laughs> so I get to use my hard and fast rules of how your book has really helped me make that Um, be able to be, stay consistent in my own binging struggles that sometimes I have as well. So thank you. And
1: can I tell you something that you, a quote you said that has helped my audience? What? You you said, when you follow your rules, you'll thank me in the morning when you don't see the pizza boxes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that sounds like something i would say but that's so funny Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> clearly I, that's happened to me before <laughs> yeah that's, that's funny. so funny well dr glenn Livingston, it has been an absolute pleasure having you my show as always so thank you so much so if my listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase your books and to, to learn everything more about you please tell them once again where that landing page is Neverbingeagain.com. perfect once again thank you so much for being an amazing guest on my show once again you're welcome back anytime you want to be come back on thanks james I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap